Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you, whether it's online or in the room. I'm going to tell you right now, I just heard from a family, the, uh, One Hope family, they're having a baby right now. And so, but I saw their computer up in their hospital room, and so I think you're watching. So we're praying for you. Hope it goes great uh, today, and we're excited to meet your new little one. But speaking of young ones, when kids are young, they ask a lot of questions, don't they? You know, when kids are young, they ask a bunch of questions. I remember as my kids were growing up, they go through different seasons of questions. And when they were really young, what kind of questions did they ask? What questions they ask when they're really, really young? A lot of why questions. Dad, why? Mom, why? Why this? Why that? But when they're young, the, the answers to the questions are pretty simple, right? You know, and the good thing, if you've been a parent before, I, I better not be the only one. The good thing about the questions when they're young, if you don't really know the answer, you just have to make up something close that sounds about right, right? So, so it, it's, it's easy when they're young and the questions they ask, but as they grow up, not only do the questions get tougher, they also get smarter. And so the older they get, they keep us more on our toes. The older they get, the more we have to kind of think in what really is the answer we want to give. The more older they get, the more it causes us to evaluate and pause. Sometimes it causes us even to say, hey, can I look that up? Can I do a little research myself? I'm not sure how I want to answer that, but I want to give you the truth. I want to give you what I really think. But really good questions cause us to do that. Really good questions cause us to stop, evaluate, just ponder what is the right answer. Well, Jesus asked a lot of questions. It is said that he asked questions 307 times. He asked a lot more questions than he ever gave answers to. And why is that? Why did Jesus ask more questions than he often gave answers? Well, I believe that Jesus, he knew that an intentional, thought-provoking question brought something out of us. He wanted what was best for us, and sometimes asking a really good question pushes us to decide, how are we going to process life? A really good question causes us to stop and really think, what am I going to do? I think a really good question causes us to pick a side on something. And I think he knew that a question sometimes is way more valuable than just giving information. So what we see in the Gospels is he has these discussions. The story of the Gospels, we see over and over Jesus just sitting with people, having a moment with people, having discussions, I believe trying to push them to their best. But based on their answer of the question, something would happen in their life, one way or another. So this is what we're going to do. Today's the first week of a new series. This is what we're going to do. We're going to look at the questions that Jesus asked. We're going to look at several of them. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to look at how the people in the Bible answered them, but we're not going to stop there. Of course we can't stop there. Because I want to see how you are going to answer the questions. I want to put these questions kind of in your lap to see how would you respond to Jesus if you were in that conversation. Because I believe these questions are just as important for us today as they were. So I want you to get prepared. These next several weeks, I want you to get prepared. How are you going to answer the questions that Jesus asked people in the Bible? Because I believe he's still asking us today. So for the first question, I'm going to take you to the book of Matthew, all right? So if you got your Bible, you got your phone, you know, we, I just want us to engage with Scripture. So if you've got your phone, a lot of us use the YouVersion Bible app. Um, and, and of course, it'll be on the screen, but we're going to go Matthew chapter 16, okay? And we'll go verse 13. Give you a moment to get that. We're going to see Jesus' first question. I think you know, will know why we should start here today. Okay, you ready? Let's read. Verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others still Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. What about you? Who do you say? I am. Simple, intentional, thought-provoking, potentially life-changing. A life-changing question that Jesus puts right in front of his disciples. He just lays it right there. I think Matthew chapter 16 is one of or the most important question you'll see in the Bible. Matthew 16 is one of or the most important question you are going to see in the Bible. I think it's so important that I'll say this. Everything in life hinges on how you answer this question in Matthew chapter 16. Because the question forces us to decide. This question forces us to decide what is truth, who matters most, how am I going to live life? This question may be the most important question you will ever be asked in your life. And this question forces us to not only make a, mon a momentary decision, this question will force you to, 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 to have a, a lifetime of decisions based on this answer. Now, if you read... Um, very many commentaries at all, very many scholarly work on the book of Matthew, you'll see that there's a theme that is spoken about of chapter 16. That what you'll see is that everything in the first 15 chapters seems to lead up to this moment in chapter 16. Everything that happens before seems to be building towards this moment in chapter 16. See, if you don't know much about the book of Matthew, I'll tell you. Matthew was primarily writing to a Jewish audience. 
Yes, Gentiles can read it, learn from it, and it, but at that time, he is writing to a Jewish audience, and what he's trying to do is create the case, to make the case of Jesus being the Messiah that all the Hebrew prophets had spoke about, and we read that in the Old Testament. This is his goal. That's why he starts in chapter one. If you had your Bible and you flip back to chapter one, it starts with the genealogy of Jesus. What a boring way to start a letter. If you've read this part, it's like, what, what are we doing? You know, like, well, this is, a, if you're trying to make a case for something, why are you writing down the genealogy of Jesus? What he was doing, he was setting up what was about to come in the rest of his writings. What he was trying to tell us from the very beginning is that Jesus is not a random person. And this is important because if you don't know the culture from back then, Jesus wasn't the only one that people were saying was the Messiah. There would be people that would rise up and they'd declare themselves the Messiah. They would gather some people around them. Now what would happen is all of these, every single one of them, obviously, would fizzle out over time. As you'd see evidence of this person's life, you'd realize this is not the Messiah. Many people thought this is what was going to happen to Jesus. If you read in the Gospels, you'll see the Pharisees thought this is what would happen to Jesus. Eventually, it will fizzle out like the rest of them. But Matthew is trying to make this case that Jesus is not a random person. Jesus is not just another one of these people. That's why for the first 15 chapters, he starts with, this is who Jesus is. This is how he was born. This is where he came from. This, uh, this is where his ministry started. Here's some miracles from his life. Here's some sermons that he spoke. More miracles and more miracles and more miracles. Which leads to Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus sits in front of his disciples. He says, listen, lots of people are talking about me. Lots of people have their thoughts in who I am. But what I want to know is who do you say I am? This is what I want to know. After everything you've seen, after everything you know about me, who do you think I am? Now, this isn't the last time that um, people have talked about this in history. You, you can, all you have to do is do a quick Google search. And that people have been giving their opinions of who Jesus was since the day that he came. All you could do is Google, and you'll see people give answers like Carl Rayner says, is Jesus was the perfect human person. Okay? You'll see the, the poet Swinburne said he, he's a pale Galilean. You'll see the American businessman Bruce Bar Barton said, Jesus is the greatest salesman that has ever walked this earth. People have answer after answer of who Jesus is. But it doesn't really matter what other people say. The real question, it's very personal. 
our answer to this question is really important. Because how we answer this question changes everything in how we live life. I will say this, if we don't get this question right, can we get anything else right? If we don't come to a conclusive answer with this question, if we don't get this one right, can we get anything else right? So let's go back. Let's go back Matthew 16. It's really important to see these, these answers because, because the answers that were given in front of Jesus were very contrasting answers, okay? He, the, the answers that people were saying about him are very contrasting. When Jesus asked, who do others say I am, what is the answer? Some say I'm John the Baptist. Some say I'm Elijah. Some say you are uh, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, this is really important because if this is the answer, then a certain response to Jesus is called for. If he is one of the prophets, if he is Elijah, he is Jeremiah, he is John the Baptist, the only thing that would be asked of them is to maybe learn something from him. If all he was was like John the Baptist from, or Elijah or one of the prophets, then maybe all that's asked of them is that they remember him. If he's one of these people, maybe all that's asked of them is that, that, that they would treat him like they are heroes, just like they treat those people. To treat him with respect. If Jesus is just a prophet, he's a good man, he's a wise leader, then the response is pretty simple. Treat him like these other guys that have come before. You know how that works. But if your answer is not that, and your answer is what Peter answers, then it's going to call for something else. We see Peter's answer in verse 16. We stopped in 15. We see his answer in 16. Who do you say I am, Jesus said. And Peter responds, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living Lord. We hear what other people are saying. Lots of people have had opinions throughout the course of history. But if this is the answer that you give, what is called from us is not only to remember or learn from. It, it doesn't just call us to respect or honor him once he is gone. This answer is so important because if Jesus is the Messiah, then nothing less than total surrender is required. The picture that Matthew is giving as he makes the case for Jesus being the Messiah, he's saying based on your answer, it will cause us to have a different kind of response. This is why I say everything hinges in life in how you answer Jesus' question in Matthew chapter 16. 
Maybe the most important question you're ever going to be asked is in Matthew chapter 16. But why did Jesus think it was so important? Why was this put in front of the disciples? Well, let's go back to the disciples. Let's think about one of the disciples. Let's, you sit down in the seat as one of the disciples. You don't know what's coming next in life. We know because we have the Bible. They do not know, you do not know, if you're one of the disciples, know what's coming next in their life. They have seen a lot. They've experienced a lot. But so much more is to come. And so I think Jesus puts this question right in front of them because to endure, to survive, to stay strong in what they are about to experience. You, if you know the Bible, you know what's coming next. If they're going to endure, if they're going to survive, what's about to hit them in life. They have to come to a conclusive answer for themselves. They have to have ownership. They have to have conviction of what their answer is to this question. Because what is about to come at them is going to test everything they believe. But what you'll see is Peter gives the answer, but there's still a problem. Even though Peter answers this question in the moment, what you'll see just a few chapters down the road is that Peter failed this exact same test when Jesus wasn't around. You know what story I'm talking about, right? Jesus has been arrested. And multiple times, Peter is asked, are you with Jesus? Multiple times, people are asking, do you know Jesus? They put in front of him of like who Jesus is and who he is to Peter. And if you know that story, you know he, how he handles it. That when he was with Jesus, he spoke boldly of who Jesus was to him. That he was the Messiah. He was, was his Messiah. This is what he said when Jesus was there. But now Jesus is gone. And three times, Peter wasn't willing to say who Jesus was. I think Jesus put it in front of them. Who do you say I am? Because life's about to come at you. And you got to know the answer to this. Because it's going to be put to the test. And then Peter's put to the test and he fails the exact same scenario that he had when Jesus was in front of him. And I'm reading this and going, is this ever us? Do we ever fail this test? That with my Christian friends, while I'm in this building in our church, I can sing, I can say amen, I can be bold with what I say I believe, but then life happens. Something maybe you didn't see coming. A person, a conversation, a situation. And 
what you believe of who Jesus is is put to the test. And it leads me to the question is, who do you say Jesus is through how you really live life? Look at this story, and I think it puts me to the test. Scott, who do you say Jesus is when life really happens? When tough decisions need to be made, who do you say Jesus is? Is he still the Messiah? Through your attitude, just your attitude in life, who do you say Jesus is? Is he still the Messiah? With your family and all the dynamics that go into that, who do you say Jesus is? Is he still the Messiah? With your money, who do you say Jesus is? Is he the Messiah? With your sexual purity, who do you say Jesus is? Is he the Messiah? With your integrity, with your character, who do you say Jesus is? Is he the Messiah? When you feel like life is coming down, just crashing on you, it's too much. In those moments in your life, who do you say Jesus is? Is he the Messiah? Not here. Not in the safety and the comfort of all that is, we'll say, one hope. Your Christian world. What about this afternoon? What about tomorrow? Who do you say Jesus is to you? Who, how do you answer the question if Jesus says to you, who do you say I am in your life? What's your answer to that question? What do you answer with your mouth? And how do you answer with your life? And this is important because I want to remind you this morning that it is important to testify who Jesus is with your mouth. But it is just as important to give testimony with your life. One is not more important than others. It is important to testify with your mouth who Jesus is, but it is as important to give testimony with your life. That's why if you're part of One Hope, you'll know that um, God, I think, put it in my spirit, my heart, of the transition we made a couple years ago with our name change. And what you'll see around here in the main lobby, in the cafe lobby, is this verse from 1 Peter 3.15, where, where I think it speaks to this, is, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Decide who he is. Put him in the place he belongs. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. See, how I read this is Peter saying what Jesus asked them. When people ask you, look at you, who do you say Jesus is? 
or maybe the little twist. When people watch your life, what does your life say, your belief in who Jesus is? What is your testimony? What is your answer? When the world asks you or is looking at your life, what's your answer that, to the question that Jesus asks? Who do you say I am? I'm reading a book right now by a pastor uh, named Martin Copenhaver. I'm reading this question, I'm reading this book because it's, he's, he's kind of writing through a lot of the questions in the Bible. Well, one of the stories he talks about talks about a time he's a pastor in Vermont, and he felt like his time was coming to an end there, and he had one last message. And in this message, he decided that he wanted to speak about who Jesus was to him, who he thought and wanted them to know who Jesus was to all of them. And I just want to read you a segment of what he wrote that day. He said, as I'm about to leave... There is something I want to tell you. I want to tell you what Jesus means to me. I want to share my belief that everything depends on him. I want to urge you to learn from him. I want to assure you that you can lean on him in times of trouble. I want to ask you to listen to his words of challenge. I want to tell you that I believe that you can entrust your life to him. I want to, I want to affirm that he is the Lord of this church and that in his name you are freed to love one another and, to, and empowered to share that love with the hurting world. I want to profess that though once people could not look at the face of God and live, now we are invited to look at the face of God in Him, in Jesus, and live as we've never lived before. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. God with us all, whether we are together or apart. That, that's what it's all about. That's all I know. Amen. He said at the conclusion of his sermon, he went back to the door. You know how this used to be in smaller churches. Maybe it still is that way in small churches. The pastor goes to the door and everybody files out and you shake the hands, you know. People are shaking hands. And he noticed a, an older woman. She's crying. And he thought to himself, man, she's really sad that I'm leaving. She's there, and she's crying, and she's waiting. And he said, when she finally reached him, in tears she said, why didn't you tell us this before? He said in this moment, it took him back. And he had, like, it just, it kind of just pushed back on him, and he had no idea how to answer that question, how to respond to that statement. And he says, until today, it still sits with him. How are you answering Jesus' question to him? 
When Jesus asked you, how are you answering that question to him? But also, how are you answering that question to the world? When was the last time you shared who Jesus was to you? And I thought about this. I hope I'm the pastor that puts Jesus on a pedestal here. Puts him above everything in the throne that he belongs. But how specific am I in speaking about Jesus? And how would I just sum up this huge topic of who Jesus is? And I think simply the words I would put is that Jesus is my God. Jesus is my rescuer. Jesus is the one who loves me most. Jesus is where I go for hope no matter the circumstances. Jesus is the one who forgives me over and over and over when I don't deserve it. Jesus is the one that I want to serve with my life. And I want to live in eternity forever with. How are you answering the question, who do you say I am? Because this question should change everything about your life. Everything in life should hinge on this question. That maybe there is someone in this room, there is someone listening, watching online, and the answer to that question hasn't been, he is the Messiah, the son of the living God. He is the Lord of my life. He is not my rescuer. He is not the one I go to for hope. And, and maybe there's been some seeds planted in your life. And that God is speaking to say, I want that to be your answer. I want to be your Messiah. Not just the Messiah other people talk about. I want to be your Messiah. And so the response to that is, okay, I'll say who you are. Jesus, I want you to forgive me. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I've sinned, but this is why you died on the cross. And we can answer to say, Jesus, you are to be the Lord of my life, and I give you my life. But I also know that many more people in this room have said that, but are still struggling to live that out every day. Circumstances come. Life comes at you. Pressure comes, moments of in, where you have to live out integrity in your character, moments are, where you have some tough decisions to make. It's in these moments that maybe you have struggled. That maybe you've been like Peter in this, and you're like, I've declared it to Jesus, and I declare it on Sundays, but on Monday I'm really struggling with this. I'm going to tell you that there's always forgiveness in this. 
Jesus wanted them to be able to answer this with conviction because it was best for them. It was the most freeing for them. It was the thing that could shape their whole life. And he wants us to be in that battle of saying, no, in everything I do, from my mouth and from my life, I'm answering, you are my Messiah. You are my Lord. And I follow you. And maybe today you need to leave this space and you need to leave this moment asking for forgiveness. God, I say with my mouth in certain places, I say with my mouth that you are God. But with my life, I'm not declaring that. I want to do better. Help me do better. And so as we do, we're going to end in worship. We're going to sing a song of declaration together. It's a powerful song of declaration. But I also want to leave, as we always do, a space for you at the altar. I was talking to someone just last week, and I, and I, and I told her that I haven't done a great job at um, letting you know kind of why I do this every week at the altar. Can I tell you that when I invite you to come up and pray, I don't just say that as a response to my message. Maybe you were carrying something in today, or maybe for somebody else. And, and if you've been part of One Hope or First Wesleyan back in the days, we, we, we've always had a time for prayer here. And it's not just because of what I say. We want you to bring in your junk, leave your junk at the altar, leave the things you're struggling with, the weight of the world, and be able to walk out more free. We believe that when we can bring it to God, He takes it from us. And there's something special and why we do this in this place is that we have this place of an altar where, where throughout the history of, of, the, of Scripture of life, these altars were places where things were sacrificed, things were given to God. And that's why we do this. It's not just about, oh man, I need to respond to what Scott says. I trust the Holy Spirit speaks to you as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And I hope that he goes way beyond this moment. But maybe there's something you've brought in, you're carrying a weight. And as we end in worship, maybe there is something you need to ask forgiveness for. But maybe there's something else. I just want to invite you, as we declare who God is, will you respond as he speaks to you? Who do you say I am through your life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God in heaven, God meets us here in this moment. Your presence is always here, God, and you, you want to speak to us, God, and you want to always bring us back to you. And God, I just pray that if you're speaking to your people today, God, that maybe someone would give their life to you they've been holding on to it. And the answer to the question of who you are is, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, you're my, my Messiah. The one who gave your life for me. When they rose from the dead for me. God, some struggle in this room today. May we give that struggle to you. Will you help us? Will you help us declare who you are in every facet of our life? God, for anybody that's carrying something in this room today, as we declare who you are, will you bring a freedom, a release, a, a, a comfort that you're with us in whatever it is? 
because God, you are our God. You are our savior. You are our rescuer. You are the one that loves us. You are the one that forgives us. You are our only hope. You are the one we serve and the one we'll spend eternity with. You are everything to us. There's nothing more than you. You're the beginning, you're the end. You're the most powerful, you're the most loving. You're the one that wants the best for us and we just declare your greatness today. We love you. We want to give everything to you. Help us to do that. It's your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.